welcome to BitStorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Hello, and uh, this week we are abandoning what three words, because... Drum roll, please. Yes. Our random word generator is back, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Our random word generator is back online. So, so my, uh, my we- random word generator bot is back in action. Um, obviously, we just needed to do a couple of movies, and that would have brought it all back. Because we did a couple Apparently. of movies last week, and all of a sudden it's back. That's uh, post hoc ergo... No, what is it? Post... Proctor hoc I don't know What's that Latin phrase For like Just if something Happens after Something else It doesn't mean It caused it Anyway yeah. uh, That's a logical fallacy And uh, <laughs> We're going to Move on from that So we're going to do Your I think logical Fellas We're going to do Some Ramped up click pitch I think Because that's what Our random word Generator bot is set to Which is now Pulling words So we're just going to Get a <laughs> random phrase an adjective and a noun uh we're going to throw them at each other we're going to make a random video game design idea out of that uh and uh see how it goes you can't half but tell that we've been doing this for 226 episodes with with great lines such as random video game design yes hey (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Give me some words. Three, two, one, click. Heaviest geology. Malicious salt. Ah, okay. (laughs) So, I wonder whether whether the salt is malicious or whether the geography is malicious. Well, I was kind of, I kind of like the idea that you are a geologist who finds some sort of sentient salt, well, sentient sediment, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, sentient mineral, essentially, that, yeah, it's like, oh, a new life form, a new type of life form even on Earth. Like, we've never seen, you know, minerals, essentially, that can be living, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, they turn out- to not be very friendly. So, with it being the heaviest, does it actually... Is it metaphorically heavy in the fact that, like, it's weighing down on your soul? And therefore, this is somewhat a little bit, like... You're, you're kind of down about the whole the whole thing that you realise that... Well, you if you've unleashed a sentient uh, condiment... On the world. Seasoning, I guess. Is it a condiment? I feel like a condiment is more like a sauce and a seasoning. Salt's maybe a seasoning. Anyway. Well, I'm just wondering, because it's because it's actually a metal, you know, a sodium, you know, does it does it still react? Well, it's- Is it still- I, I, It's reacted with sodium. Yeah. I guess it so depends on- Depending on how, how you take it. Is it more sodium, therefore it reacts violently with um, with water? Like you, you spray it, you spray it with water, and it reacts really violently. And there, therefore, it's like instead of it, you know, sort of exploding, it actually gets really mad. Um, you know, because it's sentient. 
<laughs> it's kind of like it's almost got rabies because it's you know fearful of water and it you know it gets sprayed with it it gets really mad and starts attacking it, i think maybe that's more because it might start dissolving because i think i think once salt has once salt has become salt i, I think it is it, it is no longer um reactive to water so i think it's more about how it might uh, otherwise uh, be affected. Oh, because that, that'd be really bad if one day, um, this is just going on a tangent, one day, like, salt all of a sudden became reactive to water. In all these kitchens all over the world, all of a sudden there's all these massive explosions happening when they're putting table salt into the into the water for yeah, the pasta. Yeah, they're, like, sorting, salting their pasta water, yeah, and suddenly That's it just blows up bang. in their face. Like, we're talking nuclear-sized explosions, like, with how much salt some of these some of these kitchens would use. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Let's uh, game yeah. on that. <laughs> I mean, it could be that... <laughs> does this malicious salt recruit all the other salt? And they start uh, assaulting people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 I was hoping that you'd come in with like something. <laughs> no, I was just like dumbfounded by uh, <laughs> by that pun and trying to decide if there's any. Do, does he, does he have a side? There. Does he have a sidekick? And is that sidekick a battery? A battery? Yes. Then they can Why be charged with. Assault and battery. <laughs> and that's the name of the game. Assault and battery. <laughs> it's a buddy cop movie. Buddy cop game. <laughs> All right. I, I, I don't know that we're going to get back on... Back on track. <laughs> I derailed us. Yes. Well, I don't get to do again. that very often. So this is cool. <laughs> Three to one click. Textbook crawling. Skin company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this like the? It's like the Necronomicon, but yeah, it's a, in textbook form. It's like, so what class would you need to take? Where the Necronomicon is that a required textbook. Well, obvi- obviously, like, it's a, um, you know, a somewhat necromancy course. Um, so, I think it's kind of like those wizards that we had in last week's episode, whereas not not from Turfy McTurferson's universe, mm-hmm. but it's actually no. from, you know, our own universe with Wizard U, where effectively what you have is an elective that, when you go to buy the textbook, you find out that it's actually, you know, it's Bound covered in skin. fake skin, oh. not real skin. And you kind of feel a little bit cheated. You paid well, especially all this money. with the cost. Yeah, especially with the cost of textbooks. Uh, what, uh, what currency do these wizards use? Um, Toad- toadlings. Um, well, I think they use regular currency, but- Oh, it's just- to the currency of their current of their country, yeah, yeah. Basically. I guess that makes sense. 
Because, you know, there's no reason to have any other currency when, you know, they're still going down to the corner shop because they're still integrated with society. It's not like they're going to the wizarding, you know, um, the wizarding general store where they where they pick up, you know. True, true. And in fact, really, if they wanted to bring anything they, into, they into reality, have- they could just go, hey, presto, and there's a new set of clothes. And hey, presto, there's a new... Well, I mean, only if they've, you know, got got to that level of their classes, yep. of their studies, you know, just conjuring from, from nothing. Well, technically, you're not conjuring from nothing. You're actually stealing from other people. Oh, it's just an actual, it's actually just like yep. a teleportation. Yeah, that's pretty much all magic is. It's just teleportation from other people. Like, if, right. if you convert, if you convert someone into something, then that's, you know, stealing their body and converting it into something. So, all of magic is just various types of theft. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Soul theft, theft of form. Uh, Theft of skin. Theft of skin, which brings us back to this necromancy class. So, it turns out that this company has been uh, cheaping out on all the textbooks because they're Mm -hmm. just using like a, a... a polymer-like substance, a a skin substitute. But the problem is, it's now crawling. Oh, it's it's living in some way. Or do you mean it's like because of the low quality skin, it's like bunching up and and tearing, and and that sort of they call it like it sort of is crawling across the cover. Yeah, I'm not sure which which way I want to go. Or is I, it crawling? I like or the is idea. it crawling with some sort of insect? Like there's some sort of infestation. There yes, that- like a fruit fly, but it's a skin fly. Skin fly. Yeah, but it, but it's only attracted to like this fake polymer skin because it turns mm. out that the plant that they that they got this polymer from um, was the only sort of. Uh, tree that this this particular fly actually used as its home. Yeah, so it, skin fly is actually a misnomer. Yeah, because it's not real skin, and they don't want to eat skin. But because of because of the historical use of this tree's polymer uh, for creating fake skin for the hundreds, if not thousands, of copies of the Necronomicon uh, that they need to put out for students. Mm-hmm. Which seems really irresponsible to me, uh, putting that many dangerous books out there in the world. But they're all facsimiles of it, so you know that you know that they they you know have sort of redacted some of the some of the more dodgier parts of the Necronomicon. Yeah, but still, you know. So okay, is this ne- all right? Let, let's let's bring this back down then. So. So that's that's the world build. What's that's the, game? the world building? Yes. What's the game? Is this uh, is this a game set just sort of within a semester of this? You know, uh, Necromancy one hundred and one, uh, essentially like some yep. sort of adventure game or visual novel style thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of like the idea that you're a young necromancer coming into you know you've decided to do a necromancy as your major. Uh, yeah. With a minor in, I don't know, transfiguration maybe, or um, a minor in potions or something like that. Like, yeah, you're planning on you know controlling the dead because 
you know, that's what you've always yeah. been interested in. You're a little bit a minor kind of in information unusual. technology. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Which you is really a different need sort that. of wizardry, you know. Yeah, technical yeah. wizardry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So electricity yes. is one of the five magics, as we all know from that awesome Megadeth song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the little known fact, the entire world that we've built here is based on Megadeth lyrics, and uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, now canon. So Thaumaturgy, electricity, magic, if you please, master all of these, bring him to his knees, I master five magics, yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually the school motto, or the school um, an- like anthem that they sing every morning at uh, First Bell. So, <laughs> I don't know the song. I don't know the song well enough to participate in this. this little I'm, I'm so, just so throwing thing, so. you out with everything that I'm saying right now. <laughs> like, it's it's fine. Uh, we're a little bit off our routine tonight, so it it, it is a little. Okay, so, so according to the song Five Magics, um, the magics are alchemy, wizardry, sorcery, sorcery thermatology, and electricity. Um. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Wizardry covers a lot of stuff, though. So does sorcery. And sorcery, really. So does alchemy. <laughs> I mean, alchemy at least kind of uh, implies... Turning lead into gold or... Or at least just, like, more like potions, like uh, materials, using raw materials in that way. And obviously, electricity is just a sparky... technological, Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thermatology, it looks like, is around heat, um, Mm. which is kind of cool. Wizardry and sorcery, I mean, what's even the difference? I I think necromancy, I feel, comes under sorcery. Yeah, it does. 100%. Whereas wizardry is maybe more around things like transfiguration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually- Whole person. It's actually just magic missiles, various forms. You can do a lot of things. It's just fireball, but they just convert it into lots of, like, here's a small fireball, and that's a magic missile, and here's a- big fireball and that's the whole person like <laughs> true although the thermatology students don't like when the wizardry yeah. students cast fireball it's like honing in on on, um, on our business yes. mm. uh, sorry keep okay, on going so, off the rails okay back back into it so that's fine so you're a new you're a necromancy student you've just come to the school you're taking necromancy as a major yeah why what's your reasoning behind necromancy you just think the zombies are cool Okay, so there's and, no, and, like, and deep, you know that duck. the zombie uprising is coming, and you thought, what better way to protect uh, myself in the zombie yeah. uprising than controlling the zombies myself? So, I'm I, thinking I'm, that you I'm get in there of- and you find out that necromancy is a lot of theory and not much practice. Well, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of uh, like how is necromancy seen amongst the students of the school? Right? Well, is it is it a legitimate? Um, class or is it? Sort it's of- a legitimate class, but it's it's very theory heavy because they don't want you raising the dead or controlling I mean, the not dead. In, 
Not in not, not in school. Fir- not first years. No. And if, even then, in your thesis, you know, in, for your masters and all this sort of stuff, you're still doing theory. You're still saying that if if there were to be zombies, this is how we would control them, and here's what we'd use them for. And a lot of the time, it's just about you know tilling the fields and all this sort of stuff. So it becomes all very right. theory heavy on what you're going to use them for, rather than the practicality of how do I just control a motherfucking zombie. Okay, so this student then is going is going to be looked down upon by the serious quote unquote necromancy students who take the theory very seriously yeah. and it's a very this very academic dry field. Yeah. Essentially. And it's and it's all about how you how necromancy can actually change the world in the way that if we actually use skeletons to to you know, after people have died, you can use them to as basically free labor. Um, effectively, like they're, they're brainless, they're soulless, they're just doing the work. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay them anything. You can just use magic to control them to do stuff. Yeah, but have they not managed to quite like get it up and running on the scale they need? Well, they I'm don't have the real wet- Necronomicon. This is the problem. They've only got the the redacted Necrom- Necronomicon with the fake skin. Well, okay, no, because what I was thinking actually is because I like the I like the idea that especially at this level it's very dry, very theory heavy. But I feel like there must be like the 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 PhDs, you know, the people with multiple PhDs in various realms of necromancy, like they are out there, act like they end up doing like practical, um, working on practical research essentially. Yeah, but the the thing is, it's only animals because of the the whole um stigma around using you know live corpses of humans because yeah there are know. definitely ethics committees yeah. you know who, who, are, who are preventing it from it's an ethical from being nightmare done on i mean necromancy yeah. i mean the reason why they're not using real skin is because of the ethical nightmare of of what how they used to do the necronomicon that's it maybe it's like hundreds of years ago they did you know if you were to be a necromancy student, and there weren't many, it was more like, you know, there are a few in the world at a time working under the, you know, the the actual practicing necromancers. I'm not going Sith Lord, like, I'm not going Sith Lord here, if that's what you're thinking. No, no, um, no, of course not. It's very serious, very serious. But I just mean that they would have a new Necronomicon made for them at some point once they reach a certain stage using actual human skin and whatever. But since it's sort of now that we're teaching magic on uh, a larger scale and at universities and sort of anyone can come along. Yes, it's reduced down to, okay, well, we you get this redacted version of the Necronomicon mm-hmm. and for some of the magics to even, like for some of the pages to even show up, we do have to at least have this skin substitute um, to contain the magics yep. within. Okay, so that's, again, more world building in the game <laughs> <Yeah>. itself. <laughs> um, well, okay, what, what I was do- going to say- yeah. Do you find was- a real Necronomicon? Well, I think you go looking for a real Necronomicon. Because I think what it is, is you as this gung-ho fucking edgelord student coming in and wanting to Ooh. control zombies, come in and are in- incredibly disillusioned and disappointed by all these stuffy old, you know, third and fourth year students who are- who literally haven't raised a fucking fly from the dead you know, working on their theses and their dissertations on on how it could happen. And so you go, fuck this. 
I'm going to go off on my own and you start looking for a real Necronomicon. Okay. And yes, this is where the game opens, but this whole, you know, you get the whole introduction and all this sort of stuff. And as you go out looking for the Necronomicon, that is when the zombie uprising happens. So your whole thing is I need to find the Necronomicon to actually control all the zombies so that they don't eat everyone. Okay. Because obviously you know someone in the world has now got control of the real Necronomicon. At least one of them. I think there are still mult. I think in this world, it's like, if you can track down some of those ones from hundreds of years ago that were made for the actual students back yep. then, uh, then you've got the full thing. But Yeah. Um, so, I think it's an action RPG. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, you can maybe uh, slow the zombies down with some of the spells that you've got in the in the fake- uh, the the necrofacercon or whatever it is what you what you are you calling it um the necronomicon <laughs> um i like the idea of you know you can the necronomicon can sort of, necronomicon that's that's <laughs> that's pretty cool okay so you can slow the zombies down a bit you can do a few other things i don't think it's um i think it is first person kind of like a fallout game but it's not a it's okay. not a VR game. It doesn't need to be VR. No. Yeah, as much like fun as like it would be to, to a do magic against of. against a zombie horde. But I think a lot of the time you're sort of just reading incantations and... <laughs> and casting them out. Well, yeah, I think, I think that gives us the framework then for increasing your practical necromancy skills as you go, essentially. Yep. Like, as you level up and you maybe find... Uh, other people who can teach you different things who have who have been in contact with the Necronomicon or all you they've get got a page. Like- all the all that they've got left is like a page of the Necronomicon because the skin is literally falling apart because yep. in the original versions all the pages were also made of skin. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the new versions they're just made of that weird polymer and it's kind of Yep. You know, somewhat creepy and crawling. Crawling with bugs, I mean. <laughs> you just have to like brush piles of these flies off every oh, yeah. time you go to class. It's disgusting. Um, but I like the idea of you find a page and you can sort of slot it into your into your Necronomicon or or at least scribble it down from the page before it disintegrates in your hand. And effectively, you're going through and you're you're gaining new pages as you go as you do fetch quests and all this sort of stuff until finally you come across the original factory. So you end up in the factory where where they're making these fake oh, books. Oh, where they're making the, f- the and fake they happen ones. to have like the last few pages of the of a real book in the um in the CEO's office, and that's when you find out that the CEO well, itself almost- is the is the guy that raised raised the um the zombies from the, the dead the, because the hordes, he's yeah. just trying to get more people into necronomic uh, ne- into necromancy so that he can sell <laughs> so more he can sell books. more books. Uh, that makes sense. Cap- capitalism is always the villain. Um, because you know what he used to be? He used to be a dentist. A wizard dentist? Just a dentist. That we- I- He actually thinks that dentistry should be the sixth magic, but nobody yes. takes him seriously. Yeah, exactly. That was actually really cool. I, I really sorry, enjoyed I'm just, going down that Sorry, line. I'm just trying to- I don't know the song well enough, but I want to fit dentistry in instead of <laughs> one of the other. <laughs> Give me dentistry. Give me- 
<laughs> give me dentistry. Give me wizardry. Give me social security. Right. Thermatology. Electricity. Magic, if you please. <laughs> master roll of these, including dentistry. Uh, I master <laughs> six magics, including dentistry. <laughs> uh, so what I was going to say, though, I think from a gameplay point of view, I, I want this to be that, like, the first time you meet zombies... Like, two or three of them can take you out. Like, they're dangerous. Like, yeah, you can maybe slow one of them down for a bit. It's dangerous. By the end, you're fucking controlling- You're controlling (laughs) massive hordes. Like, you're controlling a hundred of them at once, and it becomes this, like- Almost a resource management sort of thing of controlling your army against their army and, and, and taking them out. It, it's it's giving me brutal legend vibes, although the, uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the RTS side of that at the end. But me included. Just, yeah. <laughs> but I've talked about that in the last two, uh, 25 episodes, so. Somewhere in there. Uh, I just, but I want that scale to happen. I want that growth where by the end you're, it feels like a huge difference from what you were doing at the beginning. I think that's really important. I do like, I mean, we only brushed on it a little while ago, but starting to think about it now, like the ethical concerns aside, like using the bodies of, of expired people to actually do all the, all the, all the work in the world where we don't have to do the work. And basically because they don't, they no longer live, they live and their souls aren't there and they're, they're not actually active people. They don't care what their bodies are doing. And, and if they break down, then you just put them back in the, back in the ground and you you get the new dead that i mean you're essentially it's essentially a form of robotics almost at yeah, that point exactly um, it's just, just a, it's just a chemical it's just a chemical machine that that is doing it it's just like but of course like in the same way that capitalism was the main villain here it's also the reason why that sort of automation doesn't happen because if we don't uh, give people, you know, universal basic income and, and then they rely on those jobs too much, even though they could be done by, uh, you know, and, and take that strain off of our actual workforce. Uh, oh, yeah. Who um, would have thought? Uh, let's let's um, jump into another one. Three, two, one, click. Yeah. Held transcript. Flipping bio- biologist. Um, this feels very much a higher education kind of vibe again. Transcripts, biologists. You're just um, flipping off biologists as you as you go through. You're you you really don't like biologists, so you keep on flipping them off because you know they're just as bad as the necromancy students. Like they they're all high and mighty here in dentistry. You know, it's obviously the best thing. <laughs> what else can you transcribe? That could be interesting to <laughs> this whole episode Podcasts. is going to be set in our new in our new Wizard U universe podcasts. Um, yes, if we want to go meta, <clears throat> um, I'm not sure where biology comes in. You 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 have a biology podcast, and uh, and you got to transcribe you- it. So you try all the different free services, and they don't. They don't work that well. They're they're just they're almost as bad as Google Translate. 
Yeah. So you're doing a. You're, it's a, <laughs> actually like a typing game, like a like typing of the dead. Oh, it's, uh, it's a Mavis Beacon meets typing of the dead meets. Well, our podcast meets meets transcribing a podcast as a as a game. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, which, no. which which is basically you know, and and then people are paying for the for the opportunity to to get that get that high score and get that you know what's it called the what's serotonin flowing so you know you you're getting achievements and all this sort of stuff. But in reality, what you're doing is you transcri- transcribing podcasts for people. You're transcribing actual podcasts for people. Let's click again because devoted hold. Stimulating inequality. <laughs> okay. I'm going to click again because my words just leave That's a bad a taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, what were your words again? Devoted hold. Destructive conscience. Ah, destructive conscience. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of a situation where having a conscience, well, I'm, I'm thinking ends up that being it's, destructive. It's Is that, it like a it's trolley that whole prob- thing problem. of where you've got the you got the devil and the and the angel on on your shoulders, mm. and mm. they're both sort of speaking to you and trying to get you to do things. And have we have we done this before? Can this be a love story between the devil and the angel on someone's shoulders? I think you have requested this before. <laughs> like, I did feel like that sounded familiar. But devoted hold and and how that could end up being destructive for the person sounds fun. Mm. Oh, they're so devoted to each other that, they, that they're basically... They're trying to get you to do some of the worst things possible so that they can, they can you know, be with each other and, and be out works- more. This actually works for your previous words, too, because this is a stimulating inequality between the two of them in that they are one is evil and one is good, but they're still stimulated by it. Um, I kind of from a visual point of view, I really am attracted to the idea of like a sort of tilt shift look where all you see is like this person's shoulders and you're focusing on on these tiny creatures, like these tiny beings on the shoulders is this maybe? Oh, 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 okay, okay. Instead of the angel and the demon on that, and the devil on that person's shoulders, is this purely a world where it's it's a purely it's a world it's a game set purely at shoulder level? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just the two on this person's shoulders. It's like that person goes to talk to someone else, and then the devils and angels on each person's shoulder are like friends as well, and they're like conversing. And so it's a bit of a it's a it is a bit of a star-crossed romance though. It's like the angel on one person's shoulder and the devil on another person's shoulder are in love. <laughs> it's like a star-crossed Romeo and Juliet kind of dealy. Yeah. And they all get together after work, like the angels and the and the devils. Uh, in when fair they get- Verona, where we lay our scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel like that's. I, I don't feel like know that's why, kind of but fun. My, 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 instead of Montagues, my my head went to the Capulets and Romulans. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 and I'm just like, is this a Star Trek game? Romulan, 
and <laughs> Juliet's. <laughs> Romulan, Romulan, wherefore art thou, Romulan? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know why my head just w- went there, but God damn, that was funny. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a lot past that. That tilt shift aesthetic that I quite like, and just seeing these, the world of these angels and and, devil, and devils on the shoulders. But uh, that, yeah, let's 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 click again. Mmm, greasy jamming. Complimentary eating. Ooh, I'm I'm seeing this as greasy food. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Is this? I, 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 my mind's going to like some sort of physics based thing around like the slipperiness of greasy food uh, or of the grease left by food or something and, and how that might play out. Mm-hmm. And then how is the eating complementary? Well, greasy and eating is fine. Then you got complementary yeah, yeah, yeah. jamming that we can, we can chuck in there somewhere. Well, I, well, jamming made me think of jam, though, is the thing. Like, the food types, since we're going for food. Ooh, a greasy jam. Ooh, ooh. You know, well, no, maybe what, it's what's, around- what's a greasy jam made of? Well, I don't want to think about it. Uh- is it a chicken jam? <laughs> don't say those words next to each other. That's disgusting. <laughs> greasy chicken jam. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Spread it on toast. <laughs> Gameplay-wise, I was thinking of, the, like, having grease and jam, if you've got- is two very different textures, right? You've got low friction and, and high friction, like stickiness. Um, and whether there's something to be done there around, you know, creating obstacles. I mean, really, what is jam but cooking something enough that it just breaks down and, and sort of makes it sticky? So, if you had a greasy substance to begin with, say, chicken, and you cooked it, like, to all buggery, and then it became, like, jam-like. So, is your- <laughs> Let me get this straight. Are you proposing that grease is jam? Like, if you cook the chicken down enough, it's- it- it's jam? What is the difference between grease and jam? Other than- other than the consensus- consistency- like one's sort of slippery and one's kind of sticky, but they're different types of jam. Grease is jam. We are not getting anywhere on these games. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in a I'm in a weird mood. Yeah, we're going a bit wacky with it. Um, that's fine. I'm sorry. Hopefully, you're laughing along with us. Like, what? We'll get a game out one of these days. Rebuilt flexibility. <laughs> Fourteen scandal. Okay, rebuilt immediately makes me think of robots. Flexibility makes me think of rigid joints. I'm thinking that basically you need to kind of get these get these joints getting a little bit more flexibility on these on these robots. Well, I think this is maybe around model number fourteen. And the fact that- Johnny 14, he's alive, yep. Yeah. That by the time they got to Mark 14, 
It's not the name numbering scheme. They just called it Mark number 14. Um, Mark 14, I'm alive. Yep. They were flexible (laughs) enough that that they essentially, like, outperformed human humans Mm -hmm. at certain tasks. Basically, this is, like, the beginning of the robot uprising. It starts with number 14 and his flexibility. Okay. I think 14 is where they started, like, they realised that, you know, the old dance, the robot, was actually kind of funny. So, they they thought they'd they'd make um, 14 very rigid. And he's now trying to get flexibility back. Like... His his whole game, he starts out really rigid and everything that he does is very robotic. I mean, all he needs to do is rub some chicken jam on. Exactly. But they don't they don't have chicken jam in this universe. He has to he has to uh, go cook some chicken all the way down to that to jam like consistency. To invent chicken jam. Exactly. So I like the idea of the the game is kind of Think about all those old Apogee games where yep. every single one of them was just a 2D sort of scrolling beat-em-up sort of thing. Yep. At the start, it's very robotic in the movement, like, as, you, as you're moving around. As you, as you sort of go through each level, you're sort of unlocking which, um, which joint you can, you can now get a little bit more flexibility around. You're un- unpopping locking? Yeah. So effectively, like you can do, um, like the right knee and then the left knee, and then you can you can get a little bit more running sort of action happening. But the hips are still rather rigid, so you need the hips then done, and then you need the ankles done, and then you know. So you everything below the waist is going really, really fluid, but then up the top it's very. So, from a gameplay perspective, then, from a mechanical point of view, is it that once you've essentially greased up certain uh, joints, you're, yep. like, unlocking new moves or the ability to run faster or jump yeah, higher? Yeah, and just be a little bit smoother. Like, be not so, not so, not so robotic and therefore, you know, if you find good enough skin, you can maybe blend in with the um Oh, we're back to skin. Yes. Maybe you can maybe you can blend in with humanity a little bit more. Oh, is, is that your overall goal? I think so. I think you've be, you've gained sentience and you, you decide that you know you don't you you've don't gained want to be- sentience, you've stolen someone's skin, but the problem is you're too <laughs> robotic. <laughs> <laughs> you stole your creator's skin. You literally stripped it off his body, and you're keeping it moist with with like a with chicken jam. Uh, no, no, not with chicken jam. With with like a little spray bottle. <laughs> There's a mini game in between that you got to go and like keep keep it all moist with a with a spray bottle. Oh, and, I assumed you're wearing it. it. I assumed you're wearing it. It's just you're too rigid. So like, it's still obvious you're a robot in a skin suit. Mm. Um, can we can we bring in some really like high tech folding tearing like physics here? Just imagine if it gets caught in the gears. Like, well, that's it. Maybe like maybe you you start off with your creator skin suit, but because you're so rigid, 
it's like pulling and tearing it in very unnatural ways. And so it, it's very quickly in tatters. And Ooh. you then have to kill and steal someone else's skin. Yeah. But we do this in a very physically realistic way so that, yes, if you have lubed up your, you know, lower areas, mm-hmm. um, you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, exactly. Then, the knees. Yeah. Joints. Then it's only the upper half of the skin that starts ripping and tearing. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the more noticeable side. So maybe you want to yeah, do it yeah, up it's here. It's still a problem. It's still because you problem. can you can put pants on, and you know it kind of covers up the metal for the majority of it. Then you just need skin down the bottom. As long as the skin isn't ripped down the bottom, but that means that you got to get those ankles sort of um, lubed up nice and early. Otherwise, the gears you know start rubbing and and create issues for the for the ankles. Mm-hmm. But I suppose if too much tearing happens and you kind of get that sagginess of the skin going all the way down and sort of creating those cankles. So, is is there a skin <laughs> tapestry mini game where you are sewing together different suits of skin? A la or the remnants of them. Jane Gum in Silence of the Lambs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of skin talk in this episode. Yeah. Let's move on. And hopefully away from human skin. Calm shoe. Robust bishop. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to take bishop... As the character from Aliens. Careful. Yeah. Don't go too too skin on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's very robust, so there's no problem with yeah. the skin. Yeah. Cool. Because um, I like the idea of a calming sort of robot game compared to the previous one. In 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 this case, what you're actually doing is you're, you're on say, a ship, you're tending to the humans inside, mm. inside of the, um, the, what's called, inside I like the, 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 okay. the pods. I, let's, let's not, uh, necessarily go full on, uh, alien. No, let's no, just no, take, but I'm just, let's just I'm take just saying, the inspiration, you know, yeah, the inspiration from Bishop. You are the, you are the robotic crew member of a, some sort of long-term Space travel um, ship, spaceship. Yeah. And I think maybe you are like, you were programmed to be like the psychologist or something. You're there to prevent space madness. You've got different programming to deal with relationships between the crew. And I think this is a sort of a game where you just, you have these crew members come and visit you in your office well, and, uh, I, I was actually thinking that, um, you know, you are actually, you're sort of satisfactory-like um, on this on this huge ship. Okay. Um, trying to trying to make sure that all all the um, all the pods that people are in stasis in have mm-hmm. got continuous power and all this sort of stuff, and effectively, you're you're trying to set up automation to make sure that um, you know the pods keep on. Get a get a steady stream of electricity, while you're also able to, um, you know, 
do do little maintenance tasks, keeping the ship running, kind of spinning those plates on on keeping it running. Okay, okay. And maybe right. one of the, the captain or something like that has come out of stasis early. So then- mm. Oh, I see. Because you were thinking, okay, that they're in stasis. Um, oh, that's that. Okay. All right. The psychology thing can still be in there, but it's like a side side bit when you yeah, yeah. when you talk to people. Because I do like that that take on on an automation style game of yeah, essentially setting up all the systems to to get this ship running. Because I love the idea that if you don't do it well enough to keep those stasis pods powered, then you start getting more crew waking up. Yeah. And now your needs change because now it's like, oh, I need power to the crew quarters. I need enough, you know, uh, oxygen. Gray- <laughs> I need enough oxygen. I need enough gray goo to like get to pump into the replicators that get turned into chicken jam, know, yeah. food f- for them. Right. The chicken, you need to pipe the chicken jam yeah. into the replicators where it gets turned into food. Um, it's not actually chicken jam. It's great goo, but they just call it- They call it chicken jam because they thought that this is what chicken jam would actually look like. It'd become well, kind of grey I think and, they call it chicken jam just yeah. because of the resemblance to the national delicacy of chicken jam. Yeah. Uh, that they miss so very much. Yes. And and ironically, the one thing they can't replicate well is it's actual chicken, jam. chicken yeah. jam. It just doesn't get the taste right, even though it literally just- Spits the grey goo out into a cup. Uh, it doesn't actually process it in any way. Um, that, that's what they have to eat if you haven't powered up the replicators or something, or you haven't like I don't know that they're not talking to the computer system or something. It just has to spit out the the grey goo chicken jam. Well, it's got all the proteins they need because it's just it's literally just protein yeah. goo. Like yeah. Sorry, now I'm just picturing, you know, because you can- you procedurally generating the crew members and mostly, like, the morale- their morale will go down if they're having to just eat the protein goo. Um, unless they've got a specific trait, which is that, like, they're just a real big fan of chicken jam. <laughs> so, they're fine. They're like, yeah, whatever, every meal, just eat the- eat the grey goo. It's not quite like the real chicken jam, but it'll do. Yep. Um, okay. So I'm I'm seeing the sort of things that you need to do is with more with more crew members means you're actually doing more around oxygen because you need those CO2 scrubbers to to actually be yep. working in overtime. But the problem is they are working overtime, so therefore they break down more often, and and therefore you need some sort of automation to actually go out and clean it and and replace anything broken. Well, yeah. I think then your autom- I think then your Oh, I kind of like the idea of being able to produce little helper robots uh, and program them to do to do little tasks. But bring in, but bring in that sort of that sort of gameplay of a simplified programming language, where it's like, you know, if like find the nearest broken device, move to it, fix it, put that in a loop. Okay, this one's just a very simple repair bot, but you could like make it more complicated than that. You can have them transferring, uh, you know, resources or. Or maybe you have a robot that all they do is they go round and they analyse the problem and mm. they they add it to the queue and then you've got to help a robot that can prioritise based on, based on uh, severity. But if you muck up the coding for that, then they could, they could leave something um, they like could, yeah, they, oxygen you, you, um, you well and truly out. You forget to sort it correctly. You sort it backwards and, yeah, they're, they're around like- 
fixing a broken bedpost while the oxygen is down. <laughs> yep. Um, what you didn't realise is you actually set one of them to replicate, like, it, their own robots. But as as they went down, like, occasionally there's a little glitch in the programming and they get a mutation in the code and now they're killing star like staff because you didn't go and check that the coding <gasps> didn't say. Oh, I love the idea. I love the idea of programming robots and having the ability to, in certain situations, mutate the code where it's it's just doing things like switching an equals for a non-equals. Like, that's a mutation that can happen. <laughs> One of them goes random, switches ors for ands. So, now yeah. it's it's looking for if, um, if air is- is you know bad yeah, less yeah or you know this is clogged but now it's it's looking for if air is clogged and this is bad yeah and so and it, never does anything was, it never does anything because those two actually can never happen at the same time they're mutually exclusive things yeah um how how can we <laughs> i'm trying to think though of logic maybe it, oh okay maybe it also will like randomly uh, a, a, a really bad mutation is when it will randomly change the target type. Mm-hmm. So, you do get situations where it's like, okay, the original code was look for a conduit that is not at, not at top capacity and patch it up. Yep. Uh, and that gets switched to crew member. <laughs> and so find now, a, when it find a crew member that is not at not at full capacity and make them a full capacity, exactly. And so, <laughs> so it's just shoving chicken chicken jam down its throat. <laughs> well, yeah, I think there but are, but it's various in a stasis ways. pod. This is the problem. I, it's just I think it's got a hose of chicken jam it. In directly into its mouth, and it's like it's at. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, one of one of the things these robots need to do is pump chicken jam into the replicators. So if that gets switched out, then it, then when they find an empty replicator, they will go and pump chicken jam into a stasis pod yeah. for the person in it. Um, and I think like you could have defense robots, like because you could have situations where like aliens get on board or whatever. So you can program defense robots, and if they get mutated, they may just start killing humans because. The thing that switched was hostile alien got switched to friendly crew member. Yeah. But I think there does have to be some level of control or or way to figure out that that's happened or a way to more easily prevent it because just having those randomly switch all the time would be really fucking yeah, frustrating. But I think I think this is in replication. Like when when a robot gets destroyed oh. and it, and oh, its code yeah. sort of I kind of like the idea though of something like a uh, maybe like each night they they get maybe a little upgrade, and occasionally well, there can like be a, a, a glitch in the upgrade. I was thinking like solar radiation, like a a, a neutron hits a bit in there, you know, because that can actually happen in real life. Like there there are there are situations where uh, some sort of a photon can literally change. Okay, so uh, you, a get, bit you get you get a warning from. Um, like the the computer saying solar radiation storm about to hit all humans to to go in into radiation shielding uh bishop whatever your name is um make sure you check all the coding on all the robots because yeah uh, something i think, can, something I think can you flip. can 
I think you can have I think you can have the storms. But I was also thinking like maybe it comes down to how you design the ship and stuff like there are maybe there are areas that are radiated and that aren't radiated for various reasons like the humans have to pretty much stay in the radiate um, the uh, sorry that are protected from radiation. The humans have to pretty much stay in the protected areas but the robots to be more efficient you can have them go through these unprotected areas but that increases the risk of a flip. Basically yep. the more the more robots you've got going through uh, areas unprotected from solar radiation, the more likely you are to, to have a code flip. Uh, and they might be relatively innocuous, but yes, I think sometimes you can have these. I, I just, I like the emergent, uh, uh, fun that could come from, from that. <laughs> you go into a room and you see some of the craziest fucked up shit that a robot's doing, sort of like spraying grey goo everywhere rather than putting it into the into the replicator it's taken it out of the replicator and it's just it's yeah. just spraying it around the room sort of um willy-nilly I, and that's just I one think, of the funnier things i think you could build system i think you could build some some you know relatively complicated systems that tie together well where you've got all these commands you can give these robots and then and then yeah just just randomly fucking with them <laughs> uh could could give some amusing results Okay, let's do one more. Yeah, yeah. Burned overdraft. Immediate refining. Okay. When I think overdraft, I think a character who's almost running out of money. So, I think that their accounts are in overdraft and all this sort of stuff. They're kind of burnt out from work. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's sort of, that's where it, the game, the gameplay sort of opens up that you're a character who's. Yeah, is this a is this a Breaking Bad kind of situation yeah. where the refining is some sort of illegal activity, perhaps drugs? Whether it's refining in drugs or whether it's just you're you're effectively trying to trying to solve your money problems while trying to actually get your life back on track. Okay. Okay, so is this a bit of a? Did you ever play Cart Life? No. It was a very interesting game around. It was ostensibly just a sort of lemonade stand style game, if you know what I mean by that, yeah. where you, you kind of you know buy different ingredients, set up your different things, have customers come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was set up as a critique on uh, poverty, essentially, and like you know. How difficult it can be to start businesses, and it was very deep. Actually, you had a ton of different options that you could sell on, like different types of food and stuff you could sell on this cart, with obviously varying prices for ingredients. And also, you literally did all the cooking and stuff. Like I remember playing one. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a, I'm going to be a bagel cart. It was like you had to remember, okay, I need to boil the boil the dough and mix it here, and you know, bake it. Anyway, it was interesting. Um, so this just this just made me think somewhat of that, but is it is it around yeah the choices that you make as as someone essentially hitting rock bottom? Yeah, yeah. So I, I do like the idea of you can take the easy way out, which is sort of go down criminal the path activity. of criminal activities because they seem to make the most most amount of money, but you're always sort of looking behind behind you over your shoulder to see if, you know, someone's actually noticed what you're doing and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, that could be 
a, a fun game in itself. It's almost like a, a horror game sort of thing in which you never quite know if, you know, the person that you're selling to right now is actually, you know, someone who's going to rat you out or anything like that. So jump scares come in the come in the way of the police bashing down your door in, in the middle of the is, night. And- is this another situation? And we've done something sort of similar to this, but I, I feel like we could bring it in a slightly different direction. Is this a good candidate for the besties system slash nemesis system? Um, <laughs> where it is this sort of procedurally generated situation. Mm-hmm. And do you, you start these- in a random job and therefore you've got a random set of skills that you know? Well, I think you've got a random set of skills. Yes. There may be then multiple jobs you can apply that to. Yep. Um, one's a then, chop shop, one's a, you know, drug running business, one's a well, drug making business. Some of them, I think some of them are legitimate or I think that they can be a bit Ooh, of both, right? I'm just like wondering. It could be, okay, we work for a mechanic, but they do some, like, they'll take stolen cars in and chop them up on the side, like, and you can choose or not to get involved in that. And then you're building up this relationship of people, but- you know, if you do something to double cross that person, okay, you've just made an enemy. Or if you work well with one person over time, all right, then you new bestie. And you get some of those social dynamics uh, coming into play. Yep. Um, what happens if you go to do something that you don't have the skills for? Say you start trying to make drugs. Do we have this uh, and you have zero, like, chemical skills? skills and you know you're shaky as fuck and then like your your whole building ends up exploding and and that sort of stuff um is this possible that you can sort of choose with any character you can choose whatever you want to do i guess it depends on how many things we can jam in there so i suppose the question is is this a chicken jam in there is this a perpetual world where as you as this one character sort of dies or something happens, you get them to a, to a nice, nice state. You can then move to someone else. And it, effectively okay. that character is always existing and, and you know, you can check a in bit on of a watchdog's legion kind of deal. Yeah. But in, in, in reality, you kind of able to switch between different, um, different stories. Almost. You kind of get bored of this story over here. You know, you can switch to a new person. That person's still existing, mm. and and they're going along with what you sort of set in motion. But they're somewhat autonomously doing doing that. I uh, I like that idea. It's obviously pretty ambitious. It I, it guess it depends on how much you're simulating. Is it just around the jobs? Like, is it just around the workplaces? Perhaps just to sort of limit it in scope and make it actually feasible in some way. Mm-hmm. Where, yes, you procedurally generate a city, essentially, with a variety of work, work pl- types. You, there's almost- there's an economy going between them in some ways. And they are mostly sort of low-level manual type jobs, and they are of varying levels of criminal, essentially. Like, yeah. from, you know, a good percentage of them are just legitimate businesses. Um, but- capitalism you can't make as much money there 
And so, or you know, the, the the denizens of this world can't. And so you sort of somewhat are simulating all these people. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a ton of people. It could be like 100 or 200 mm-hmm. with, with just fairly basic schedules. And you figure out, okay, they get a job here. Their skills are going up over time. But, but you get some cross-play happening where then, you know, these people might interact with each other and, and the relationships go sour or improve. And then, yes, you are playing one of these characters and essentially now injecting some sort of player uh, guidance into this whole system and watching it kind of flow yeah, out from there in like, different ways. I- I'm picturing now that one of the characters that you that you get is like an ex-heavyweight fighter that, you yep. know, no longer can do all that sort of work, but instead he becomes, like, a um, an enforcer for, like, a mob a mob sort of guy. So, you can either choose to go down down that path or you can take him down into, like, security guard or something like that, which yeah. is a little bit less, um, little a lot less pay, but, you know, well, and maybe like something that, that he's then- always liked to do, always wanted to do and help people, but... So, with the whole switching thing, I love the idea. So, here's here's just a scenario. Yes, you're playing this ex-heavyweight fighter. You've got some choices. You decide to go legit. You're like, okay, now I'm going to be a security guard. Go Like, it's not as much money, but I don't want to put it in the risk. Except, and, and then you, and so you go and you work for someone like the previous character that you played for, who you got up to a pretty good level. They're now like running this nightclub. Because, you know, you, you essentially took them up the, like, entertainment path. They started as a bartender or whatever and worked their yep. way up. You worked their way up. Now they're in the business. Except during that character's game, you made some enemies. And so, you're now playing the security guard. One of those enemies who happened to be more on the criminal side because of some of the shifty dealings that happened to get that other character up to nightclub owner comes and, like, attacks the nightclub. Your fucking uh, security guard gets killed. But the story that's created from that, like, you know those relationships because you played them. Yeah. And you kind of caused it in the end, even though- Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you essentially caused the death of this character. Who you you were just getting to know and you you found out that they had a five-year-old son and they were doing this for for them and, oh, you know, you could could go so far with all these stories and- um, one of my favourite things, like, and taking it back to, like, the Far Cry, um, well, Far Cry 4, Far Cry, Far Cry 5, where there are just so many moments in those games that can just happen and will happen in no one else's game. Like, yeah. I remember going through one thing where I'm, you know, sort of sneaking, in, sneaking into a place with a sniper rifle and in comes a tiger. And it yeah. takes out, like, the entire, the entire village before I even fired off a shot. And I'm like... Oh, this would never have happened in someone else's game. Like this. Yeah, is- I think I've heard. I think I've heard this type of game essentially called a story generator. Like that's yeah. basically what you're building is because of the human ability to then make sense of those patterns or of novelty coming into established patterns. Then yeah, I think you know you could almost play this game out just through a series of events, right? Like you make you make choices, and so yeah, you play as the security guard. It's like here's a choice, like. Which place do you want to go to? Okay, you get to that place. Do you want to ask for a job? Do you want to buy a drink? Do you want to do this? It's like, all right, do that. You've got your job. 
Now, as you know, and you obviously build this in as part of the security guard job, you have environmental storytelling is just things that can happen. (laughs) It's like, oh, someone comes up to you really drunk and talks to you or whatever, but that ends up creating something, revealing something about your character, which is then now hard coded into your character. Like maybe it is that you you have a dialogue choice and you mention something about your five year old son. Oh, now you have a five year old son. Yeah, and 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 maybe this is. In this case, they they tell you something, and then your character sort of, oh, not your character, but you know, this character can then sort of take on like a almost a guardian angel sort of role of you know protecting this person, mm. and that becomes a new a new relationship that that came out of you know this conversation that only happened because these two people happened to be in the same place at the same time, and you know, yeah. Uh, this person, this person's story happened to include some some bad guy from a previous story, and mm. well, and you can do some fancy stuff there where you have all these people who are ge- who are sort of only basically simulated at the start, but if they come in contact with your character or potentially other major, like other major characters well, that you've other characters had contact that you with, have played, yes, or that you've essentially generated by like if you've created a nemesis of some yep. sort like then a that bestie. might happen too yep. <laughs> uh, or a bestie then um, oh, as, as we call all enemies in these games reverse besties yes exactly <laughs> rebesties Giovanni rebesties um, then essentially you're essentially every time you interact with someone in that way you're potentially creating a new main character as it were who who now okay now the system tracks them a bit further yep. and there's a bit more likelihood that they will then also come in contact with other main characters and create these stories in different ways and you may not be there when it happens no but you might get a phone call about it like if your bestie's there when one of your reverse besties you know shoots that other person who you had some contact with Oh, now, you know, the the system knows enough that your current character sh- should get a call about that. It's like it sets yep. off a whole path down that way. Oh, it turns out that you were the emergency contact at the hospital for this person because you helped them out <laughs> yeah. when they had appendicitis. Um, now, you know, they're, they're indebted to you and, and yeah. you've been let known that this person's been killed by that dirty cop that, you know, you you helped make dirty when you- when basically you forced him to take that bribe that time. Exactly. Yeah, you made that decision when you were playing that character. Yeah, I, I like- There's obviously a lot of- A ton of work there because you can't- Like, you still have to handcraft a lot of these moments. Um, and if you watch the- uh, uh, Game Maker's Toolkit video on the Nemesis system, he talks a lot about how- that how why that works so well and that a lot of these things are handcrafted but they happen so rarely that they feel like these big events yeah uh, but there but there are enough of them that you still get a lot of stuff happening like a lot of different stories in, in one particular playthrough um so yeah I'll, you'd I'll never have to forget have that. playing through like the first um shadow of mortal yeah, yeah. yeah i'm like and like coming across like a, a basic nemesis for the ter- first time, or, or getting getting killed by someone for the first time, yeah. And then the amount of times that they would come back and like totally fuck my shit up, and I yeah. started hating 
the first guy that ever killed me killed me so many times when I finally got revenge on him, took his head off, and I'm like, yes, I'll never have to see him again. And then he turns up again, like, and he's just been brought back. And it's like, no! Like, well, if you watch that video, because in Shadow of War, they made it even more complex. Yeah. And interesting where you I do, want to go through have, those games again. They were, they were so brilliant. They're really good. Like, I really enjoy I enjoyed them. I think I... Yeah, anyway, yes. They're, they're worth a run through. Anyway, yes. I, I think that could be a really interesting story generator there. Yes. Where with, uh, yeah, yet again, our besties system TM fuck off WB. Um, besties and reverse besties. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're going to finish up there. Yeah. As usual, when we get onto a fun game at the end, we've gone a bit over, but that's all right. It happens. So, if you want to find us online, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Uh, leave us a review. It's uh, reviews for good at Podchaser this month. Yes. So, uh, all reviews uh, will donate 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. So, in if America, you leave a which- review for us and then we respond to that review, Podchaser gives even more money. Exactly. Uh, as do, uh, well, in fact, because we are on Captivate, it will also give even more because they are uh, matching the funds for Captivate podcasts. So that's awesome. Go I did and- not know that. So I want everyone to go leave a review either on this podcast or any of our, any of our other 226 podcasts. Uh, episodes, yeah. episodes, yep. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and and you'll you'll help us out, and you'll help other people out. Uh, I don't do anything else. Go. Oh, <laughs> that's right. You don't do anything else anymore. Um, we'd like to thank Kurtos for the use of the song for allowing us the use of the song man to find stuff the album containment failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Buy your chicken jam at the supermarket today. Chicken jam. It's made of chicken and it's also jam.